0: Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, another finger on the monkey's paw curls as Persona 4 Arena comes to Switch. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always, joined by my co-host, Mark Mitch... Mark Mitchell, we've got, <laughs> we've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including whatever the heck happened at the Game Awards and Nintendo's expanding headquarters. And then on Thursday, we are going to be comparing fifth years for Nintendo consoles. But in the meantime, Mark Mitchell,
1: how's it going? It's going great. I feel like um, that would be my newscaster name. Mark.
0: It's just doing the what's his name? Uh, the, it was like an MTV slash like Pepsi, like mascot thing that was like, ma, bup, bup. it was like a little, like, he was a glitchy, like computer character. Do you oh, remember? Max Headroom. Max Headroom. Is that right? I
1: I, I don't you know. You
0: tell me. you're I going- don't know. <laughs> I was about to agree with you. I've, I'm, I'm coming into like, this is a weird landing for me at the beginning of this episode. I had forgotten what joke we wrote for the cold open. And then I couldn't say your name.
1: But yeah, I think it is, uh. I feel confident in saying that it's That's Max, Max Headroom. Headroom. Okay, yeah.
0: the guy who looks like he's got like a plastic face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Then it's then it is Max Headroom. Um, thank you, Mark, for getting my back. Uh, speaking of places and ways that we have to get each other's back, we've got a little bit of a debug as it relates to our Thursday episode coming out. Um, we. Recently read an article uh, wherein Doug Bowser was talking about the Switch's fifth year, and we were like, yep, Switch's fifth year, that's right. Um, and then uh, we got a message from a listener saying, like, hey, is it really the Switch's fifth year? It's 2017, right? 17 to 21? That's only four. And then on another, a subsequent episode, we were like, yeah, we messed that up. It's only the fourth year. But no, 17 to 18 is one. 18 to 19 is two. Nineteen to twenty is three. Twenty to twenty-one is four. Twenty-one to twenty-two, which we're in right now, is the Switch's fifth year.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we were thrown off by birthday math, you know. We, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and just like math, math, right? We were we were just doing a little subtraction.
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt. This is not the first time math has got the better of me.
0: Yeah, nor me. Uh, and it's also not the first time that we've just blindly believed what someone told us.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. When Doug Bowser told us it was the fifth year, we were like, sure, makes sense. When the listener was like, "I don't, is it though? We were like, I don't know. We're not going to do any critical thinking for ourselves.
0: <laughs> so that's, that is why on the Thursday episode, we are going to be digging into fifth year's really you know, atoning for our sins uh, and just sort of comparing the Switch's fifth year to everyone, all the other consoles' fifth years, uh, just to, you know, just to, like, kind of take the temperature of it. Get yeah. the pulse. How's it doing? Fifth year, which we are in right now. Which we, and we acknowledge that we're in right now. We know and we believe it.
1: But we will not apologize to Doug Bowser.
0: No. And uh, sorry to Pete for for not in, in, interrogating your suggestion uh, any further. Um Speaking of things we should apologize for, the Sonic Forces borrowing program, would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? You can. All you got to do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com. I send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. Doesn't cost you anything.
1: Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else or you uh, share the show or promote it on Twitter or whatever you do, let us know. Send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to give you a shout-out. We would
0: love it just so much. Also... uh the end of this month, and also, by extension, the end of this year, we are just playing Sega Genesis games as they appear on the Nintendo Switch Online, uh, plus Expansion Pack. Um, expansion Pack or Pass? Pack. P-A-C-K or P-A-K?
1: I believe P-A-C-K.
0: Hmm. There's some inconsistent branding here, Nintendo. Um Week one, the week of Christmas, we are playing Gunstar Heroes, Rise Star, and Golden Axe. Week two, the week of New Year's, we are playing Fantasy Star for the End of the Millennium, Strider, and Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. So, if you are subscribed to the service and want to play along, you should do it. Um, I'm very much looking forward to discussing all of these games with you, Mark. As am I. Um, but right now, we should talk about the games that we've been playing this week. So let's do it. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Before we move on to more substantive things. Animal Crossing, how you doing?
1: I've been... um At this point, I am just playing Animal Crossing to play Animal Crossing. And whatever happens is going to happen. Um, there are a few I like, things... I
0: like that you said that as though that wasn't what you set out to do. No,
1: it's not. <laughs> I set out to try to play Happy Home Paradise. And now I'm just... Doing regular Animal Crossing stuff. Yeah. Although by this time last year, I had gotten rid of my island, and so this is the first time I'm experiencing snow and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. which is very fun. Um, but I feel like I am not really making a ton of progress towards getting KK to come to my island and presumably opening up some other things. Um, but I have been planting flowers and things like that so I don't know if there's like
0: build some fences. I,
1: I guess I I guess I actually really have to despite not wanting to for whatever reason going to have to build some fences. <laughs> I
0: I Mark, I think you're going to have to play the game is what you're going <laughs> to have to do. I know.
1: Well, uh let's see. Timmy and Tommy's store just expanded. Okay. And so it's like I don't know do those things have to happen before kk can show up oh
0: definitely yeah oh okay yeah.
1: so maybe i'm a ways off then yeah
0: i don't i
1: i, I do you know what, one thing I've been I, quite... I'd,
0: I'd love to see your, your island as it is now
1: there's really not much to see but um but actually this is why kk's not coming No, <laughs> i know uh yeah that's actually that's totally true one thing i have not done yet is i haven't gone to harv's island harv yeah. has, like shown up and mm-hmm. been like hey you want to come to my island but i haven't yet and so i am curious if if I go to Harves Island now, if I'm able to engage the, what is it like? Is it like the DLC version where I can yeah, spend no, it, bells? Or I'm guessing probably not.
0: No, I'm guessing it probably is oh. because that that's not part of the paid DLC. It's just part of like the regular update to the game. Right. So, um, and you know what 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 that does the spending bells that brings the various vendors like to his island on like a permanent basis so you never have to like wait for Sahara the rug dealer to like come to your island she's just always there right Ditto red Ditto um leaf uh you know and any of these characters that are selling you know what whatever they sell um and I, so I, I think though they should all be there but none of that really should have anything to do with uh. Getting KK to your island.
1: Yeah, I guess that's a, I guess that's true. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's not what I set out to do. I just wanted to get to Happy Mountain Paradise, and that's kind of like just what I want to do at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. But um, otherwise, things are, you know, things are going great.
0: Well, let me know if I can ever bring anything over to your island and just like drop it off.
1: Yeah. One thing I am trying to like, or. I shouldn't say try to, because I've made zero effort to do this so mm-hmm. far, is I need to find a community where people are actively posting when... Um, turnips? Turnips. Mm. Are, are, are Are
0: you buying turnips?
1: I have not been. I see. But... Um, I think it would just be an easy way to get a ton of bells.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's crazy how you can, like, take it seriously for one week and then never worry about money again. Yeah. Um, like, because you can just make so much of it by finding, you know, wherever it is, the island that has, like, 400 bell turnips uh, and then just selling them there.
1: Yeah. So I need to do some sort of research to figure out where there are communities that are posting this stuff still. I would go to Reddit. <laughs> yeah, th- I, that's a good call. It's a great starting point. I've actually been playing a ton of other games this week.
0: Well, let's let's run them down. But first, I think uh, let's just touch base with there was a uh, Tetris Maximus. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, Ma- Tetris uh, Maximus Cup this weekend. Uh, that was Mario Party Superstars themed, um, and it was super fun and super cute. And I love every time I have an excuse to go back to playing Tetris 99. Yeah,
1: me too. And I I love the different themes. This time I didn't really like the music that much, or at least the first like fifty. People, yeah, 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 Music. It was too like carnival-y. It's very carnival Um, like t-
0: cute to the point of being like kind of treacly and yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah. Um, but after that, like in the t- in the top fifty, and then again in the top ten, the music is uh, kind of more like fun. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I-, I like that one a lot, and uh, I-, I mentioned this to you, but I feel like Nintendo's got to be better about publicizing these things because like you and I are plugged into this. And I care a lot about Tetris ninety nine. How don't I know? (laughs) I know.
1: I know. I feel like they used to announce them like earlier on like Monday or something. So we So we talked about it on the show. Exactly when we
0: God bless you, Mark. Excuse me.
1: Yes. When we were getting ready for the show, we would include it in the show notes. But I but I feel like they have switched to announcing them on like Tuesday or Wednesday after we have compiled our show notes, and so it I mean, goes ma- unnoticed.
0: Yeah, well, to us uh, and our listenership at, at the very least. It makes me wonder if uh, our recommendation of checking out a uh, Tetris Maximus Cup has such a negative effect that they're like, <laughs> we got to wait till after NCS is posted. <laughs>
1: right, that's right. That's right. Uh, but tell me about the other games you've been playing. So uh, Paper Mario came to the Nintendo Switch Online yeah. last week, and I have started it. This is my first time playing it in... Who knows how many years? And boy, does Paper Mario, other than graphically, where sometimes like sprites just don't look that awesome on a Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, but otherwise, what a great game! Like, oh, wh-
0: you, okay, good. I I wasn't sure where you were gonna where that was gonna land.
1: Yeah, this yeah. It, the game is amazing. The gameplay system with like the badges and the individual um, companions who you can like use one at a time, like so good. I the writing in this series has been amazing from day one. And there is so much dialogue in this game in like a positive way where, you know, you go to Peach's castle, at the very beginning of the game, and there are a bunch of different characters from all over the world. And you talk to them and they all have their own individual dialogue. You don't have to talk to any of them, but if you do, they all have like clever dialogue. Like it's, it's a, it's an amazing game. If you've never played the original paper Mario before, if you started the series with like um, sticker star or color splash or something that, uh, you know, where they started moving away from a more just kind of like traditional RPG system. I really recommend that you check out the original Paper Mario. I don't think it's that long of a game, but the characters are amazing. The music is really good. The um, And the battle system where like you earn badge points and then you get, um, you collect different badges that have different like abilities or buffs. And then but you have to mix and match badges based on how many points badge points you have. Yeah. Like, it's just a really smart, simple system that's a lot of fun to use. Definitely recommend Paper Mario. Uh,
0: I am very excited to get into it. I, I am currently playing, and obviously we'll talk about it uh, more in weeks to come, uh, Fantasy Star for the end of the millennium. So I'm sort of, like, up to my teeth in, like, uh, 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 lengthy RPGs with systems I don't quite understand. Um, so... You know, I when after we record and I don't have to think about that game ever again, uh, then I will, uh, definitely get into Paper Mario and, uh, be in that joy space with you.
1: And then I've also been playing Zelda Skyward Sword. Been a while, but made some more progress in that. So I think I may be to the point where you are now. Assuming you haven't played much since then, yeah. I just finished the like sand ship, yeah, the yeah, like yeah, yeah. pirate ship, mm-hmm. um probably my least favorite dungeon like thing so far only because there's it feels like a lot of backtracking yeah it definitely is and well I, uh,
0: it's it's all like based around that like time shifting thing um which like well, novel, and when you're in like the the areas where like this little roboty guys are, like it can be very interesting to like see the spaces one way and then see them another. But yeah, when you start to get like too deep into dungeons, it it can start to feel repetitive. There's
1: also just not that much like it's not visually very interesting, right? That ship because it's in the middle of like a dry desert. Um, the ship is you know like run down when it's when you're not we you don't have the time stone shifted also i am finding on the switch the bow and arrow to be wildly inaccurate because oh. when i'm like and maybe i was sitting too far back from the tv or something but like when i was aiming um my the calibration would be like shifting all the time. So I'd be aim. I think aiming one place, yeah. but like it was not. So it'd take me like five arrows to hit the. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Time stone. So I don't know I what wonder, like, the deal was.
0: I wonder if there's fu- something uh, like funky in your gyro.
1: Yeah. That you, actually, you, that, that could be yeah. true. Cause I do have to like reset like all the time.
0: Oh, I'm resetting all the time. Okay. too. But
1: yeah. Just constantly like hitting that Y button or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But I still really love this game. Um, like I've said before, I think maybe playing it in chunks is doing it more favors. But I really liked the mini boss on this pirate ship where like it's a narrow corridor. Or you're on like the stern of the ship, basically. Yeah. And it's a really narrow area. And um all you can do is try to push back this giant skeleton pirate. Yeah. And that's it. It's like a really simple boss fight, but I found it to be really fun and satisfying.
0: Yeah, it's it's neat how frequently it turns like individual enemy encounters, be they uh like halfway bosses or like full-time bosses into like a unique sort of like motion control puzzle kind of thing. Um and in a way that never feels like it's breaking the rules that you've been playing by the whole time, but in a way that still feels like unique to that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then i i've I've been playing our uh, our Genesis games, including Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, uh, which I'm very excited to talk about uh, with you in two weeks. Um, but I've also uh, been spending a little more time with my uh, Legend of Zelda Game and Watch. Uh, the 35th anniversary or whatever the actual branding is on it um and playing the original legend of zelda in japanese uh so it's uh you know the the famicom uh disc drive version of it um so it has all those like extra sounds um and so it's just like everything from like sword arrows sound a little different to like the music has like one more little like layer of like weird wobbly sound effect to it um it's just kind of, like, fun and neat to be, like, experiencing something new in a game I've played so many times. Um, and so I'm, like, halfway through it right now. Um, and I don't know. The, the original Zelda is so fun to just, like, go back to. Um, and, like, so much of it is in my memory. But I also have, like, big blind spots where, like, I don't remember where the, the second dungeon is. Um I like I have to look it up every time. And be like, where is it? Oh, it's over here. Um, otherwise, I go one, three, four, and then I start like wandering around looking, <laughs> looking for two. Um, but yeah, what what a great fun game, and uh, I I really like playing games on those like little handhelds. Um, I hope Nintendo keeps making them, um, just because I don't know. It's, it's it's a fun novel way to uh, play classic games.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting to me that they did like two in a row. Kind of like where we right. had with like the classic editions, and then it's just they're right. done.
0: Right. Well, and but like we didn't know about the Zelda one until when did we know? When did we find out about it?
1: Uh, I feel like it was e, was it e three e three when they did those handful of Zelda announcements?
0: Yeah, I think yes, that's right. Um, so and the uh, but the Mario one we didn't know about until September last yeah, year. Yeah, like August or something. Yeah, whenever they did the the Mario direct. Um, so you know we'll we'll find out about these things when Nintendo decides we are worthy to find out about them. Um, but I hope they keep it up. Um, all right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week.
1: I would say the most notable release this week is yesterday, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Was released on the Switch eShop.
0: Uh, I'm so excited to try this game. I still don't understand what the gameplay of it is, uh, but it's Shovel Knight, and I trust them, so I'm I'm in. I'm gonna I'm I, I can't I can't wait to play it.
1: And is this the one that is developed by Yacht Club Club Games? Mark, you know what? I don't even know. I think it. I <laughs> I think it is. I think you're right, but it might not be. <laughs> But anyways, that's um uh for my money, pretty much the big release this week.
0: Yeah, I think I think that is uh that is really all all we really got coming out this week. All right, Mark, um let's close the segment out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for four thirty three. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, you have uh, written out the prompt. uh, If you would please read it aloud to us. Yeah,
1: I feel like we should discuss the ugliest piece of clothing we've ever owned.
0: And then I just wanted on record, you came up with this topic before seeing what I was wearing today.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> Sight unseen. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure you weren't subtweeting me to my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so there was I don't know if this is the ugliest thing I've ever uh owned, but it's maybe one of the more confusing articles of clothing I've ever owned. Um and it's a it's a young me article of clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh like a like a elementary school me Um, but it was a uh, like a sort of mint blue t-shirt slash tank top over it combo Uh like (laughs) sewn together Uh, and the the tank top over it was like a like a blue like sports mesh and there was some kind of logo in the middle of it (laughs) that I don't remember but this is one article of clothing and I know I was wearing it in some kind of like school picture or something so like it is uh, on display in my parents'
1: house forever. The one for me that all that jumps to mind immediately is also from like a school photo, like 4th grade, and it's um short sleeves. Yeah. but has a hood. Okay. And is like on the front divided into four like squares. And one is red, one is yellow, like one is blue, one is green. But then the whole like shirt itself is green. Wow! Yeah, it's really um shocking to see it in person.
0: Yeah, that's that's I like uh, I like colorful clothes. Mm -hmm. I don't wear a ton of them. Um, but that's too that's too colorful.
1: Yeah, and I feel like like as as I got older and as an adult. I have a lot of terrible clothing choices, mm-hmm. but it's not so much like the clothing themselves. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, no, it's, keep the, going, way, keep it's going. the way I wore it. Or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. accessories. Or, you know, the, now this was not just me, but there was a time period 20 years ago where you didn't wear a short sleeve shirt without a long sleeve shirt under it. Or right, another right, short sleeve right, shirt right, under, right, under right, it. Right, 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 right. Like yes. m- multiple shirts were being worn. Or like a a t t-shirt... But there's a collared shirt underneath, right? A collared
0: shirt under a t-shirt? Yeah, oh, yeah,
1: sure. That is, so it's so so it's popping out the top. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. No, that that that
0: does make sense. I actually just realized um, I'm wearing uh, a a fairly ugly shirt right now under my sweater, um, which I'm only wearing because I was like, I need something under the sweater. But this is um, I'm pretty sure I'm wearing this shirt. Yeah, yeah. So this is a a gray. Um, like, shirt from The Force Awakens that says the first order on it, and it's got like a, a picture of Kylo Ren. And it's all like the shirt itself is gray, but like every all the print on it is like red. What
1: a fun celebration of fascism!
0: I mean, right? This is what this is what it is. And my mother got it for me for Christmas the year Force Awakens came out. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we saw the movie together, and she was like, I wouldn't have gotten that if I'd known they were the bad guys.
1: (laughs) That's So that's really cute. (laughs) But it makes a good like undershirt. So I. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, I have a pile of shirts specifically for wearing under other things. Yeah. I actually
0: just recently got rid of a uh, Resident Evil 2 remake shirt that I got from um, E3 a couple years ago. Uh, because it looks like the the it's it's got the Resident Evil Police Department like logo on the front of it, and then there's like blood splatter all over <laughs> it, and the blood splatter is so much blood splatter, so it's like ugh. um it's it, it's too much. Um, but there are also like fake bullet holes on it. Oh, I guess we'll never um. uh, we'll never know. The other thing was uh, it also has uh, like teeth marks on it, but the teeth marks are for a mouth that's like too small, <laughs> so it's like you've been you've been bit by a baby zombie or something. <laughs> Uh, we were accompanied today by, uh, listener Steven, um, Steve Plays on, uh, YouTube. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get into the news.
1: The Japanese newspaper Nikkei reports that Nintendo is planning two new major office expansions to bring more development in-house. Interesting. So beginning in May 2022, Nintendo will rent the 6th and 7th floors of the Kyoto City Waterworks Bureau's new government building that is located right next to Nintendo's current headquarters. And then also planned is an entirely new building on the site of Nintendo's former headquarters. The site currently has Nintendo uh, Kyoto Research Center and the Mario Club QA team but there's a large area of empty land that presumably that's where they're going to build this new building. Uh, and this is all like expressly for development purposes. Yeah. So the n- newspaper specifically calls out that it's for bringing like more developers and bringing development in hand in house. And then um just, you know, like a few months ago at Nintendo's, conference like investor conference they didn't explicitly call these out but they did talk about expanding and bringing in like building up more development staff yeah and so this seems to be part of that
0: um and well we just a couple weeks ago like got news of the uh redwood city california office closing and was it the toronto office There, there was another canadian office um that were both like you know, not, not development houses or, or there's no development house there. It's all, like, uh, marketing and, um, you know, sort of, like, market research stuff. Um, but it it seems interesting that, like, is Nintendo sort of, like, shifting some of their assets from marketing to development? Like, have they gotten too good at marketing and need to, like, move into... Like, I just... It, it seems like there's a little, like, shift in priorities that we're seeing play out here.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I feel like for... There are so many times well, two things. Yes. One, Nintendo's gonna do whatever Nintendo's gonna do, and you know, there's no way to for us from the outside to rationalize right. or explain it. Right. But two There's no way
0: to predict it before it happens. Right. There's no way to explain it after it happens. Well,
1: but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the second part of it is that I you know, a lot of times we talk about why doesn't Nintendo do this? Or this seems so obvious and but the truth is that no, as big as Nintendo is, it is actually a very small company. And so they don't have, like, the resources to pursue all of these projects. Like, they have to be very picky about what they pursue. Right. And I think that's where they've started working with third-party development teams, you know, like Bandai Namco and uh, Koei Tecmo, because they have more expertise in these areas or they just, like, Nintendo just needs the bodies, right? A lot of what yeah. Monolith Soft does for Nintendo, they develop their own games, but they also have teams that are just, like, bodies on Nintendo games yeah. to, you know, get them released on time.
0: I mean, that, that's how we got Breath of the Wild. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so, I think that, um, potentially, Nintendo is chafing up against, you know, the limits of the size of their current in-house development teams. And so I think this is looking to address that. Yeah,
0: yeah. The, I mean, it's it's so interesting. Um, just like thinking about Nintendo's place in the market. Uh, like a, as we and you know we'll get to the the Game Awards in a little bit, but like that was a, an award show that was about announcements on other platforms, uh, like all, almost exclusively. Um, you know, if something was coming to Switch, it was sort of incidental. Um, and you know, we've lived through many uh, dark ages of uh, Nintendo not being, like, a a dominant player or even really putting out, like, interesting stuff. So I wonder if they are, you know, now knowing that the Switch is the only pillar they have, um, if they are sort of, like, thinking about how to preserve that and, like, keep that going forward with the development teams they either have or can grow to have.
1: Yeah, totally. It was reported last week that NES and SNES lead architect Masayuki Uemara has passed away at the age of 78. Um, He joined Nintendo in the seventies, was working on, you know, original like toys and the, some of the stuff that eventually turned into like the NES zapper he worked on, but then also the lead architect for the NES and SNES, the
0: zapper featuring one of the uh, best buttons on any Nintendo controller.
1: That's right. That's right. As announced at last week's Cardi's, Mm -hmm. um, also happening last week, something you may have heard about, the Game Awards also happened last Thursday. Nintendo. I mean, if you say so, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo didn't really... They, they had no announcements this year. Right. Um, and it, maybe
0: not wholly unexpected, right? Like a lot of their... Um, Game Awards presence in the past has been sort of like uh, revolved around their Smash Brothers uh, DLC character releases. Um, like uh, three years ago was um, Joker. Last year was um, another <laughs> character. Sephiroth maybe? Yeah, um, yeah Sephiroth. Uh, but yeah, that is, is, is such like an easy way for them to like dribble out, you know, more and like interesting stuff that people actually care about um, and that they didn't have something like that for this year.
1: Yeah, I feel like more often than not they don't really have anything n- that's like groundbreaking. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the Game Awards as a like avenue for big announcements is still kind of new. Um you know, it's it's really only been when uh last week when we went through like the history of it and what Nintendo's done the last couple of years. Um we got we hit 2015 and it's like they didn't announce anything here. And when we recap next year, we'll be like, they didn't do anything in 2021. (laughs) That's right. Um, But, uh, you know, before that, I think 2014 was the first, like, Game Awards under that name. So, you know, it's... uh, Whatever we think um, either Nintendo's relationship is with that show or even what that show's relationship is to making announcements is still, like, something being formed by time.
1: The... uh, Nintendo was... You know, nominated in a number of categories. It won Metroid Dread, won Best Action Adventure Game. And I thought it was really funny that It Takes Two ended up winning Best Family Game only because. It was the only non-Entamo game that was nominated for Best Family Game.
0: Yeah, uh, the other Best Family Game no- not nomination or nominees were Mario Party Superstars, New Pokemon Snap, New Super Mario 3D World. Or, sorry, not new, but Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury and WarioWare: Get It Together, and they all lost to It Takes Two, um, and It Takes Two also won like Best Game. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I don't know, may- maybe maybe that's why they couldn't compete. Um, or maybe just because none of those four Nintendo games are like obvious standouts for best family game.
1: There's no animal crossing in that list. Right. Um, so, well, people obviously really liked it takes two and yes. that's a game that I would like to play, but people, so I bet a bunch of people voted for it in best family game as well because they're like we want to guarantee it wins something right even if it doesn't win game of the year
0: yeah and yeah which is i mean so so much of this is like how do votes get split and like how what where are people's like you know they want to like give something to something you know like uh metroid dread winning action adventure game of the year almost feels like a well we're not going to give a
1: game of the year but it was a really good game. Yeah. So, you know. do, do you think? Do we need to start one of those like derby podcasts, but for the game awards, where we're Ooh, talking about like yeah. the inside, you know, like the inside scoop, Who's schmoozing who? Yeah. In the run up to awards season.
0: Yeah. I, I, I like that. We can get Nate Silver on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You can that's get us all, right. <laughs> all,
1: like the breakdown. That's
0: right. Um. What? And then there was also I just wanted to shout out the most anticipated, uh, game, which is a, a ridiculous award. Um. But it went to Elden Ring for I think the second year in a row. Um, uh, even though the sequel to the breath of the wild was, uh, on, on, on the list and in, in the, it was, was nominated. Um, the Nintendo ran like a sizzle reel at one point that was just like a normal commercial thing for like what they've already announced in, in 2022. And the sequel to breath of the wild was like featured in it. And it was all footage we've already seen. Of course, like they, Nintendo did not make news during this thing. Um, but in the lower right corner, it said the sequel to breath of the wild, like just you know, like they had to identify it as something, but like they don't have a name for
1: it yet. Yeah, I mean that's what they've been calling it from the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Is there any world where that is just the name of the game?
1: No, I mean if it was like uh project, project sequel, sequel to, to yes. Breath of the Wild, then yes, I, I believe that could absolutely happen. It's not. We're not
0: talking about Square Enix here. <laughs>
1: At the Game Awards, the latest Sonic the Hedgehog game was revealed. Sonic from Tears appears to be an open-world game of some sort, but uh, the footage didn't really show much gameplay at all.
0: But it it did seemingly show a lot of that, like open of the environment, world. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we had seen like a just a snippet of a clip of this in a, a teaser a couple months ago. Um, you know like the the sonic like starting to run or what was that even like i can't even remember
1: yeah yeah there was something that had us like in knowing that this was happening i do like that uh snippet of a clip just like a a whisper yes it's it's gossamer not to be (laughs)
0: dissected uh for for that we would banish it into the wind you know um but, yeah, it, it it seems pretty clear now that this is, like, some open world or open world-ish yeah. um, Sonic the Hedgehog game.
1: We did, after the trailer, we did get a short synopsis, which says, In Sonic Frontiers, Sonic, Sonic's longtime nemesis, Dr. Eggman, discovers an ancient technology on the Starfall Islands and installs his AI program, SAGE, to hack in and take over. But there is more to this technology than he realizes, and unintended consequences immediately come to bear. Sonic must race against time to discover the truth, save his friends, and maybe even save himself at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Lots to chew on there. Story by In Flynn, which I thought was interesting, who mm-hmm. previously contributed to the Archie comics, Sonic the Hedgehog series, IDW's Sonic the Hedgehog series, and the sonic boom television show
0: yeah so this is a big sonic lore hound um he's very like into like a i don't think there are uh like working authors today who have more information about sonic lore like in their brain And he's so good at like interacting with uh the sonic fan base too um he there's some sonic mobile game that he's playing that uh people will uh, like post their scores when like they beat him and they're like, is this really Ian Flynn? And he's like, yeah, that's me. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He's a, he's a cool dude. I interviewed him for that uh, Ninja Turtles thing that I worked on a couple years ago. Um, And it's just a cool, smart guy. So I'm excited for his stuff in this game.
1: Yeah. I I think it's awesome. I, I I was surprised that Sonic team was bringing in somebody from the outside to craft the story for him.
0: Yeah. Well, and like on the outside, like, kind of not like he's, a member of sonic team but yeah right right he's he's, he's been writing for the comics for over a decade yeah and uh has worked on the sonic boom tv show so like he's a, a vetted source for sure yes
1: yeah um so yeah the game will come out in holiday 2022 which means we have at least a year of uh the sonic forces borrowing program reigning Oh. unchallenged
0: yeah okay so we we think that there's a possibility that it gets upset somehow by the
1: release of sonic frontiers i mean who am i to foresee the future mm-hmm. of the sonic Forces forces borrowing program like the program will work itself out right.
0: it, it will reveal to us what yeah to but we just next. i guess right.
1: what i'm saying is we just haven't had to deal with it the question has never arisen yeah that's a, previously. That's a great point that's a great so point. um and it's still a little ways off <laughs> Another kind of like weird reveal at the Game Awards is that Atlas is bringing Persona 4 Arena Ultimax to Switch. It's a Persona 4 fighting game that was released in arcades in 2013 and on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 in 2014. Okay, so
0: first I just want to, for a second, live in the world of uh, how what Atlas does to support their mainline Persona games, because it's so cool that for most persona games or not most but for many persona games they end up putting out like a fighting game featuring the characters they end up putting out like a rhythm game like a dancing game featuring the characters um that we had that muso for um persona 5 where it's just like they are living in the worlds of one specific game not like the whole franchise yeah. right? um it would be like if uh square enix was like yeah now we're doing a final final fantasy 7 rhythm game and a final fantasy 7 fighting game and will they sort of like butt up against those things with those characters appearing and stuff like final fantasy theatrhythm or uh like air guys back in the day and other like final fantasy like action games they're never like so strictly one game in the franchise. Uh they usually do like a you know a little like wider uh, take at it. Um but it's so it's so cool. Like yeah. you know if if they had done if like Fire Emblem were doing this and they were like, okay, here's a Fire Emblem Three Houses fighting game. I, I would be so there. Yeah?
1: Right? I do I do think it's really cool and I, I feel like it speaks one very highly of the characters, but also the it's cool that the fan base Loves these characters so much that yeah. they can like support these spin off projects. I also think it's interesting that they like cluster it where it's like, no, this is Persona Four's time. Yes. You know? yes. And then Persona 5 comes along and this is Persona five's time. Right. They, thus far, to my knowledge, you know, it's not like Persona 5 is out, but here's this Persona 4 fighting game. Like it seems very much like every era right. gets its due. Right.
0: Well, and Persona. F- For Golden recently came to PC, right? It came to Steam. Um, So maybe like they're in the sort of uh, redistributing the uh, Persona 4 games so that they're accessible on other consoles and on uh, just other platforms, but still not on Switch.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also an anniversary year for. Persona, oh. or we're entry- or like twenty twenty two is there and they talked about like oh we're going to announce a bunch of different like projects for Persona, yeah, and so I think this is just one of them. Um, but I also think it goes back to the point that you've had many times about like the Persona mainline games on Switch, which is that they are just never. I they're mean, never coming. Never say never, but they're never but coming. But they're never coming. Yeah. And yeah. then we will continue to get these spin-offs because the Switch is a large enough platform that it makes sense to bring these games to Switch, but not the main event.
0: Right, right. And the main event will still be a draw back to the platforms that they're originally on. Although the, the the fact that Persona 4 Golden came to um PC
1: does confuse me a little. I but like at
0: that point, why not put it on everything yeah,
1: else? Yeah, I mean I know that um you know these persona games are not officially sony exclusives right but sony does seem you know they put some of their own first party titles on pc yeah that's good and so i feel like if they were okay with it going on a different platform pc would be the one yeah
0: yeah that makes sense i mean if
1: they if there is some agreement between and there must be it really does seem like it yeah it simply must be Stock shortages really seem to be hitting the big three console makers this holiday season. The NPD Group released their November U.S. sales report. And while Switch was the best-selling console in November with 1.13 million units, that's down significantly from previous years. And um, we don't have... Well, and by significantly, I mean like a few hundred thousand. Yeah, It's still a good number. We don't have specific numbers for the PlayStation 5 or Xbox series, but we do know that combined... They were just slightly above the switch.
0: That's so interesting. Like, yeah, and it, like it. That's all just got to be supply constraint. A hundred percent because sure. they're still hard to get. You know, I I got my uh, PlayStation Five uh, probably in November. Right, um, it was probably when when I got that. Maybe it was October. Who yeah. who, who even remembers recently? Um, and that was something where I like put alerts on my phone and like was really like tracking stuff pretty intently. Um, and it still took me like a couple weeks to get my hands on something.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like the switch in the past couple of days, I've seen the switch OLED go on like, you know, on like Wario yeah. 64 tweeting about it being available at like a bunch of different stores, but they sell out still almost immediately. And I, I think that, I actually don't even know what the situation is with the original Switch or the Switch Lite. Like, if those are easy to get or if everything is just kind of, like, yeah, challenging this yeah, holiday yeah. season.
0: I mean, it... Yeah, and I mean, that that sort of goes back to, um, you know, what we were talking about with, like, design... Uh, or Nintendo increasing, like, their, their space for um, development of software that, like, the next... The next like marketing beat of like we have new switch hardware to sell is going to be so far away, yeah, because, like you can't it doesn't make sense to launch new hardware or like new exclusive hardware, right that what runs its own games and isn't uh, backwards and forwards compatible um, in this environment,
1: yeah, yep. I mean, I feel like it seems to me most likely that the Switch OLED was supposed to have, like, this upgraded chip yeah. that was rumored and reported in Bloomberg for a long time that would upscale to 4K and that that was going to be Nintendo's kind of, like, stopgap. But uh, I think just, like, because of all the component shortages, yeah. they were not able to do that. And so they just went with what they had just without, like, the Switch OLED, just without that upgraded chip. They've been having difficulty supplying, like, the the Switch OLED at a level that, you know, the supply or demand still outstrips supply. But in a lot of ways, like, Nintendo is so lucky that the this new generation, like this the X, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series generation has kind of been, like, stalled out. Like, this transition is going to be so long yeah. because, the, the, like, the inventory is just not available for Sony and Xbox to, like do a hard transition over to the next generation. Like the this next Sonic game, Sonic Frontiers, it was announced for PlayStation 4, for Xbox One. Like it's coming to everything, you right. know? And so- Not the Wii U. <laughs> not the Wii U. But I feel like the timing for Nintendo is very fortuitous Yeah. because I think like the start of this next generation, it's going to be at least another year before there's really a lot of, you know supply out there enough supply that makes it feel like the playstation 5 generation has really started
0: yeah well and that's uh I, like i think a little bit like by design and philosophy of both microsoft and playstation that like uh, or xbox and playstation that they're like sort of blurring the line between uh console generations um and it just uh that well, but yeah, I guess I don't know. like it's a real chicken egg situation, right? Like I mean,
1: I think you're right that Microsoft
0: Microsoft, you know, especially yeah. they
1: were very upfront about this being you know, like cross generational and games carrying over and or being playable on both for a while. But I feel like PlayStation was at least talking the talk of like console generations matter and all that kind of right. stuff didn't necessarily turn out that way with their first year of PlayStation 5 hard software. A lot of that was playable on PlayStation 4. Yeah. But, um,
0: I mean, that's largely how I'm using my PlayStation 5 right now is as like a, an ultra powerful PlayStation 4, right? Like, uh, I am playing Spider-Man. I played Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, I've got, uh, Ghost of Tsushima on there, like all PlayStation 4 games that are souped up to, you know, be, uh,
1: PlayStation 5 versions but there's still PlayStation 4 games, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, other NPD notes. So Switch has been the best-selling console for 35 out of the previous 36 months. Not perfect. Not perfect. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Shining Diamond and Brilliant Pearl combined were the third best-selling software digital excluded in the U.S. in November.
0: Is that right? Is it not Brilliant... Diamond, and Shining Pearl?
1: (laughs) 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 You're right. And when you're right, you're right. Okay, great. Uh, It was revealed by the Pokemon company that in their launch week, the game shipped over 6 million copies worldwide. So um, doing very well. Shimagami Tensei 5 was the 6th best-selling Switch game and 16th best-selling game across all platforms in November in the United States. And the highest-grossing debut for the Shimagami Tensei series... Of all time. Digital not included. And uh, Shimigami Tensei 5, or excuse me, 4, was a $50 game on the 3DS. Sure, and the so, NPD, and, and, and that that's by uh, by dollars. That's right. Yeah, okay. And then, also notable, Metroid Dread was the 11th best-selling Switch game last month. So keep fighting the good fight, Samus. Keep
0: going, Samus. A little bit of a bummer that it's not in that top 10. But, uh, I mean, Shimigami Tensei and Pokemon are... Uh, You know, Shibagawa Tensei
1: in its first month and Pokemon ever are going to be Titans. Also, November is when, according to the NPD, November is when Switch's, like, evergreen titles pop. Sure. Because they're, like, great gifts. Like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Super Mario Odyssey. Like, so, supposedly, 11th place is, like, Metroid's doing very well.
0: Yeah. Which... But it is still sad to not see it in the top 10. Like, yeah, oh, totally. There's, uh, there's something that, like, I just, wa- just want to see it, like, riding high in, like, the top five for, you know, a couple months or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's just never going to be the fate of a Metroid game, uh, even when Prime 4 comes out.
1: So, uh, yeah, just have to re- re- resign ourselves to that. On the topic of shortages, uh, the Switch sold more consoles and software across the UK and Europe. The week of November 23rd, than any week previous. Unclear what this means overall for the month, though. But. um,
0: Okay, so the week of November 23rd, uh they sold more than any other week previous? Yeah. Any other week? Yeah. Crazy, right? So they just like shipped a bunch of consoles to the. I think it's for.
1: I think it was for like Black Black Friday Friday, sales. Uh, In Europe, I think, you know, you get. The Switch, or there was a bundle that was the Switch Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and three months of Nintendo Switch Online for like yeah, the yeah, base yeah. price, and so apparently that sold like crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, publisher Dear Villagers and de- uh, developer Midgar Studio has, have announced tactical RPG. Edge of Eternity will be coming to Switch as a cloud version February 23rd, 2022. This is not, like, a game that I'm familiar with or anything, but it's notable to me for the fact that even seemingly even smaller publishers are getting in on the cloud versions of games. And do we take that as a sign that, like, it has been successful for other publishers or that people are just dabbling? Uh,
0: I mean, I think it's probably a combination of the two, right? That uh, cloud versions have been successful enough Um, especially, you know, we've talked, uh, multiple times that like, uh, having a cloud version ready for, uh, Amazon Luna, having a cloud version ready for Google Stadia, having a cloud version ready for, uh, Microsoft, whatever. Um, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, and then also like get the switch one ready. Like it's probably not a ton of extra development Mm -hmm. work to have it ready for like those other platforms. So I think people are really just, uh, If they're checking the streaming, the cloud version box, that they're making sure it works on all the – or not all, but as many platforms as as possible.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Finally – I wonder – sorry,
0: just to hop back to that. I wonder if that does end up being um, more and more valuable in the future and as as shortages continue and uh, just the – reliability that someone is going to be able to get access to the latest hardware um just becomes like rarer and rarer and i don't know that it's gonna you know the global economy could write itself at some point but like (laughs) i don't i don't believe that (laughs) um and just like in in the meantime like how to get the games that are becoming like ever more sophisticated and uh, demanding ever more um just horsepower to run them uh that maybe cloud streaming versions of these games is going to sort of become standard or normal or necessary.
1: Yeah, I also wonder what happens like next generation, right? You own a Switch 2 and then like w- these games seemingly should be playable in perpetuity as long as the servers are up, right? Uh, Yeah, as long as the servers are up, yeah. But, you know, we've,
0: we've seen servers shut down for games. Like, there are games that are not playable anymore. Right. I guess yeah. what I'm
1: saying is, like, if you bought the Switch Cloud version today, yeah. you know, wi- when the Switch 2 comes out or whatever, will you be able to play it there? Yeah. If the client nope. is ported to Switch 2. Right. And also
0: no, no guarantees of that.
1: Yeah. 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 True. Uh, Paper Mario was added to Nintendo 64 Nintendo Switch Online last week. And at the same time, Nintendo tweeted that Banjo-Kazooie will be arriving next month. Wow. Right out the
0: gate with, like, two absolute bangers that, like, are games that we were excited about when they were teased in the uh, original announcement Um means they've got nowhere to go but down.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Like I,
0: you Donkey know, Kong 64 is still out
1: D- there. Donkey Kong 64 is still out there. Majora's Mask is still out there. Quest 64 is still out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I'm looking forward to playing Banjo-Kazooie. I cannot even recall the last time that I picked up this game. So, so I actually played a little
0: bit of Banjo-Kazooie recently on the Xbox One because it is part of... Uh, Xbox Game Pass with um, the Rare Replay collection, Um, and it's, like, touched up and, like, nice. Um, It makes uh, some of, like, the inputs... The game is, you know, nicely um, molded to the Nintendo 64 controller, so I will be happy to play it again on that controller, but I'm a little bit worried just to see, like, the lower fidelity Mm, um, mm -hmm. and, like... Crappier frame rate that like Nintendo's not going to fix anything, right. right? Like that's sort of uh, one of the stickier points about the Nintendo sixty four is not only aren't they f- they're not fixing anything, and the emulation's not perfect. So like I think it'll be weird when Banjo Kazooie is on there, and it'll be cool to have access to Banjo Kazooie. But if you have an Xbox and you're subscribing to Game Pass, you have access to a better version of it. Uh, Already for no additional pro- no
1: additional cost. Uh, for me, there is something that has been fun about playing these games, warts and all. Yeah. Like it's kind uh But they might be new warts as well. Yeah, the problem. No, no, There yeah. definitely might be new warts. But I don't know. There it's um a fun kind of like reminder of you know, like the limitations of these consoles. Yeah. But what great games like there are on there. What Just... great games <laughs> there are! We should do a
0: banjo kazooie episode. We should do an episode where that'd be we that'd be uh, fun. That'd be fun. I'd really like, like to yeah. uh, talk about it. Um, all right. Well, uh, that is a topic for another episode, probably in another year, Mark. Um, but uh, let's uh, close out the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review. And follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it. When you do, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at M-K-E-Mitchell. And the show is at Nin Cart Society. You can check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com. And actually, uh, Mark, you and I were just uh, texting today about uh, an 8-Bit Betty project. Uh, it's not actually an A. B. Betty project, but the uh, same composer behind A. B. Betty uh, did a bunch of lo-fi um, Christmas carols uh, under the name Sleep Facing West. Um, you can find those on his YouTube channel, uh, Sleep Facing West, and they're all great. Uh, so check those out, or you can listen to A. B. Betty uh, by going to the website or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network.
1: Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrow's will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts
0: or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. I'm balder than it. you. You are balder than me.
0: Only on Bald Talk.
1: Campfire